You're listening to a CanadianMovieCrew.com production. So, are we going to talk about it? Why? The elephant in the room. What elephant? Mom's new job. It's time to make some wrong things right. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes. And Elastigirl is our best play. The Screen Slater interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Film Studies. I am Sean Taylor. With me today is Mean Mark. Hello, darling. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, no, seriously, seriously, you're my biggest fan. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm your biggest fan. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this weekend we saw, of course, The Incredibles 2. Um, we had choices, unfortunately. This one's the bigger one. No kidding. Uh, I would have preferred to have seen Tag... Me too. But that's another story. Yeah. Um, we'll hopefully catch that up later in the year. So. Oh, I'm going to see it whether we record or not. Oh, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. That's that's Fair. for damn sure. All right. So stay tuned for that one. That'll be coming down the pipe. Yep. Uh, so this one, $180 million at the box office. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's just the domestic take. And then the, they hit, what, 233 worldwide? Yep. So, Interestingly, kind of the opposite of what we see, we've been seeing where the foreign has been like a bit much bigger take than domestic, but now all of a sudden. Well, I imagine that'll change next week because Jurassic World uh, has already come out uh, foreign. That's true. Overseas, so. Yeah. It has a weak head start, so. <laughs> um, okay, so Incredibles 2. Mark, uh, what'd you think of the original and what'd you think of this one? Spoiler free. Uh, spoiler free. I, I like this one. Um, there's a, a few things I'm maybe I'm going too far into it, like in our Ocean's Eight uh, review, but we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, overall, this was I think almost as enjoyable as the first one. I think the the first one had still had a bit of that shock and awe to it that really made it stand out as one of, like one of my favorite Pixar movies. Just really? uh, it, well, to a degree, yeah, because I mean we we didn't have the full Marvel push yet so as a superhero movie it stood out 14 years ago right okay. the original sure yeah. now now that we've had like avengers etc then it's like okay well this is good this is still the best fantastic four uh, uh franchise that we have seen a lot of people uh, make that claim yeah uh, yeah yeah still so far prove us wrong fox prove us wrong no, don't prove us wrong. Don't do another movie. <laughs> You've tried now, what, three times, four times, three times? Whatever. Don't three, do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nobody cares about the goddamn Fantastic Four. You've killed all interest in it. Well, right. And that's why this is the best Fantastic Four series. So, uh, But at the same time, like it's so it's, it's, this one was still good. Uh, I don't know if it was as good as the, as the first. I'm rating it slightly below still. Okay. Yep. Not too far below, but we'll get there. Okay. How about yourself? Um, I would say it, it's as good as the original. Um, is it better? No. Um, and I think a part of that is because, like you said, when when Pixar does something new, there's a very big novelty to it, right? Yeah. 
Um, you're seeing something new for the first time and you're, ex- and with Pixar, they tend to go all out on their first one because they don't really know if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So they throw in everything they possibly can. Unfortunately, that doesn't leave anything much for the sequel. Yeah, you know what yeah I mean? the exception the exception to that rule might be Toy Story. I've heard people say Toy Story three is their favorite. I haven't seen Toy Story three, so I can't comment on that. Um, okay, but but I'm just saying like that might be the exception. But you're right, like Cars two, definitely not nowhere near as good as Cars one, and same oh, yeah. with three. Uh, you know, if they do an Inside Out two, it's not it won't hit that same note because it's not going to be original anymore. Well, yeah, and I think that they. I, like like I said, when when Pixar does a movie, they they really go full bore into it. They get all the references out of it. Like Toy Story, you had um, they they explain what happens when the kid comes. You know, uh, you know, do they can they reveal themselves to a human? You know, all the inside jokes really happen in the first one. You know, yeah. a lot. So there's you have to go big on the second one. Um, this one. If you like the first one, you'll probably like this one because it's kind of the same story. And and that's why I'm rating this one slightly below. Yeah. Um, like, don't get me wrong. The the animation is incredible, although I have, one, I have one thing to say about that, but we'll get that later. Um, everything is updated. Uh, everything is... The action is great. Uh, the, like, the story is really watchable, really fun. Um you can kind of see the bad guy coming from a mile away. <laughs> yes, yes, but it, I, but it's a kids movie, so I'm willing to forgive that. Um, yes, I dare say the animation is updated, but it's not, which I like. The aesthetic is the same. Yeah, it's it remains. Yeah, exactly. So you could watch the two of them as one long production. Yeah, and uh, like all the characters are sort of there. There's a, there, there's a there's a couple of nitpicks I have. We'll get into those, but um, overall, it's basically the same story. It's one of them has to go off and do something, and then they learn in the end that working together as a family is better than working alone. Well, let's let's dive into and stretch ourselves into spoiler territory, and uh, yeah, so spoilers for here on out. Let me add to that. And they also find out, oh, they were working for the bad guy all along. Yeah. Again. And that is where uh, oh, that's I, was right. like, uh, I was like, oh, guys. I forgot about that aspect. Yes. Like, you're uh, you're working for person A who really works for bad guy B. Yeah. And they, they recycled that story. I was like, you had 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the one thing is people are saying, well, you know, we waited 14 years for it. Was it worth it? Yes, emphatically. I'm like, I don't agree with that. Like, it, I'm like, yes. I'm like, like is it worth the wait? Sure. <laughs> like that. That's about as emphatic as I'll get. Sure. Yeah. It was fun. Did we have to wait, wait through Cars three? No. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Incredibles has never been my favorite Pixar movie. Um, I didn't. I must not have loved it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just. Oh my god, there's a new Incredibles movie. That one's my favorite of all time. Oh my god, there's a new Toy Story movie. That's the, my favorite of all time. You know, so I don't know if there's that kind of hype to it, but okay. a lot of people have been saying that Incredibles is their favorite Pixar movie, which is fine. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. That's fine. Um, it just wasn't mine. Like, in, yeah, like Incredibles okay. was great. Don't get me wrong. But 
I think Toy Story is still a better movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now, it was the first time they they did humans as the main characters. Was it really? If, if I remember correctly. Well, it was pre-Frozen, so yes. Um, that wasn't Pixar. Oh, no, you're right. That, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess so. You're right, because it was like toys or other... Toys, cars, fish. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Ratatouille had humans in it. Yeah, no, like like they all had them in it, but they but they weren't featured as main characters. Yeah, yeah. I heard that one of the hardest things that Pixar ever had to animate was Violet's hair. Really? Yeah, I found a YouTube list where Pixar talked about in different interviews, like the top ten things that were the hardest to animate. Okay. It was like that, you know, Sully's fur. Um, wait, which one's Sully? That's Mon- the John Goodman one, that's, anyway. That's Monsters, Inc., yeah, the big one. Yeah, yeah, but was Sully, was Sully the little green eyeball or the, the big... No, he dude? no, he was the big one. Yeah, yeah, the big furry dude. That's the... Like, any time... Like, hair is so hard to animate. So... It can be, if you want to go completely realistic about it. I mean, you could just have it sit on his head like they do with Mr. Incredible, and it's probably easier to do it, it that way. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so but Pixar, and, yeah. Pixar went Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story Two, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, and The Incredibles. So you're really looking at like there was what there was the one human kid or a couple of humans in Toy Story, but just as side characters. Yeah, nothing in A Bug's Life. Same with Toy yeah. Story Two. There was Bo or Boo with Monsters Inc. Yeah, and a few other human kids. Yeah, and there was some ancillary characters in Finding Nemo, but. Um, none of them had to be on screen for the entire movie. And a lot of it, it was filmed from the point of view of the smaller things, so you, you didn't even see faces. Exactly. A lot of times. Yeah. So be a pair, pair of legs walk into a room or a hand comes into the fish tank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, this leads me to my to my first sort of nitpick of, um, of the movie. I don't think they spent a lot of time on the ancillary characters and modeling because they kind of look like Funko Pops. Hmm. Their heads were... I don't, did you not think their heads were kind of... Did that not seem to you like their heads were kind of bigger than they should have been? Like, just slightly bigger but noticeable? Yeah, yeah kind of. And to, I guess to make them more expressive, but at the same time, they didn't want the bodies to be filled out like everyone's friggin' Dwayne Johnson. No, well, I understand that. But I see your but, point. But I see your point, yeah. Like, even on, like, Grant, like... It's kind of like Up, like the old guy from Up. Like, his head is yeah. huge. Well, and Edna Mode is tradition, was like that the first time around. She was comedically, like, all face and no body. Yeah, but but, but she was short, and that kind of made sense, though. I mean, that, that didn't look and, out of place to me. Right, and same with the, the guy from Up, right? He was just a short old man. Yeah, and like Syndrome, his head was bigger. But, I mean, that's to do the villain with the pronounced... Um, like, that's if you look into the history of villains, villains in comic books typically have larger heads with more, right, to be with, more with more expressive faces. Exactly. Right. More threat. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was okay with that, but this one, I don't know. It's just the other ones just they like, like the, uh, uh, is it, uh, what's the guy, the guy that gets them together, the brother. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, um, Decker. No, Decker. Devil. Uh, De- De- uh, Dever. Dever. Like his yeah. head was huge. Winston, Winston Dever. Yeah. yeah, 
His head was huge. Yet, at the same time, though, one thing I noticed, because he wasn't a, a traditional hero, he had a, a, his chin comes down to a point. Yes. Right? Your hero character's blocky chin, at least for the guys. Yeah. Right? And then your non-hero characters, they were they were kind of easily identifiable almost as, like, they had slimmer faces, right? They don't have that heroic chin to them. Yeah. But still, yeah, big head with big expressive eyes and a big old smile and... Yeah, no, you're right. And then the women, though, all petite. Yeah, and I always thought that yeah. Elastigirl was grossly mispor- misproportioned. Like, she does have the big hips that a mother would have, right? Which yeah. is which is great to see because, it, you know, it's, it's more inclusive. But her waist is completely skipped. Now, she's elastic, so... But the idea that she can't even shrink her own, like, reproportion, proportion herself is yeah. kind of weird or she does or she chooses not to i guess yeah well that's fine i guess that's empowering it's just it, it's she always just, that that's always sat weird with me but that's a minor minor thing but yeah yeah it's kind of the i i i always kind of pass it off as the overall aesthetic of this world because they, they do do it consistently kind of yeah like they didn't they didn't change helen parr's look for this movie to say well the the 2018 woman of today should be this yeah well, this movie right. takes place in the 60s, 70s, um, and it's right after, it picks up right where the old, uh, the last one left off. And and I like that. I like it, I think, but... Yeah, because you, you end on a potential action scene, and then all of a sudden, you pick up this movie, and it pays off. Uh, a little bit. Well, I mean, at least, like, they... They go after, like, the underminer comes up at the end of the first one. That's how yeah. it them. Right? So instead of just hero pose, cut to credits, and then next movie, new new threat, this one actually kind of finishes that last movie before uh, jumping into the new thing. Kind of. Which is interesting. Did you not... But they go... But do you not realize go, that the underminer gets away? Yes, he gets away. Absolutely. I'm just saying. But then that finishes that sequence. Okay, but it doesn't All close the, that story loop, though. That's the thing. Nope, they'll have to go after him another time. You're right. Okay. But at least we know how that one kind of ends with the Underminer gets away. Okay. Yeah, and finally, too, if I'm not mistaken, was that not like a larger role for John Ratzenberger? Yes, as the Underminer. Because John Ratzenberger like, made a cameo and has had a cameo in every Pixar movie. Yeah. He, he does one voice. This is the one I think he's had the largest role. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Toy Story. Never mind. Yeah, and wasn't he... No, he wasn't the rat in Ratatouille. No, no, that was um, Patton Oswalt. That's right. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I got off track there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Tangents on this show? Really? Imagine that. Speaking of tangents, there was this one time... No, Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I actually did like that they pick up where the other movie left off, so you could kind of, like I said, you could edit this together... Oh, you could, yeah, yeah. So and it they, starts they off with the, the it starts off with the yeah. interview. Uh, Dicker does the interview and he erases the 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 mind of somebody. Uh, this one happens to be Violet's boyfriend. Yeah, and we find out that Dicker's going to retire. Well, he has to. Yeah, yeah. He's he's forced into retirement because the superhero project is now dead and over with. That's right. Because yeah. they fucked up with the Underminer. So yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to point out the 
the animation in this is really, really good. Absolutely. Um, especially with the background and the special effects. Uh, there's one scene in particular. I'm going to call it the epilepsy scene. <laughs> and if you've seen the movie, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, it's the one where you, if you have epilepsy, you're probably fine. I would imagine they've probably factored in everything. Well, I'm thinking which one because there's a couple of them. Well, the the, the one with Elastigirl and the pizza, uh, the pizza guy. Oh, okay, the first epilepsy. Yeah, the first scene. one. Because uh, the second one's not as bad, but the first one, the animation in that scene is is fantastic. It almost looked it almost looked live action. It, that's true. Yeah, that fight scene looked like yeah realistic. Yeah, it to was a degree. Yeah, it was really really good. Absolutely. And the one thing that I really liked just before that, you have the, like the villain. This one is the screen slaver. Um. And we'll get to the motivations because that's kind of confusing later on. But essentially, they don't. She, uh, the screen, sa- the screen slaver, doesn't want superheroes to exist. Right. So because we rely on them too much, and that's what I loved about it. The screen sla- slaver gives this big speech while Elastigirl is chasing him down mm-hmm. about how. You want superheroes because it allows you to be lazier. Because it means you don't have to worry about anything in your life. You just want a push-button world. You want everything automated. You want everything to be done for you. Superheroes make the world lazy. We're not going to advance as a society with superheroes in in, in, in our world. And I'm like, that is a brilliant, brilliant motive for a superhero villain. Yes. And I'm like, and you gave it to the Incredibles? I mean, <laughs> good on you. It's a great story. Yeah. But you have Marvel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that seems to be a waste. Well, they and they kind of, as, as a, a another motivation, they kind of bring in something from Marvel. And the reason why they shut down the superhero program in this world is similar to why the Sokovia Accords exist in... Well, that's what the, I mean. In, yeah, in, in, in Marvel, right? In the, in the MCU, the idea of the, 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 the catas- catastrophic nature of these superhero fights or how big they can get. Yeah. And that there's no accountability for, for that aftermath. Just like the Underminer attacks, City Hall gets a hole in it. The You know, there's untold dollars worth of damage throughout the streets and the Incredibles are supposed to just be able to walk away. Well, that's, but you're right. Yeah. Having this and and the, what I found weird about the motivation, but still kind of cool was it's this person who's extremely well-versed in technology saying that technology is, is bad. Cause that's one of the other messages you're stuck staring at your screens. And yeah. Yeah. So all of that stuff, like she's trying to, she's really the underminer. She's trying to undermine superheroes and undermine technology. All the while, she is really good at it. And, uh, you know, she's a, extremely intelligent and kind of almost relies on technology to do what she has to do. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah. And you kind of, uh, tip the hand. Kind of conflicts. You kind of, you kind of tip the hand of the, uh, uh, of the big reveal. But it's actually so. Elastigirl, Frozone, and Mister Incredible go meet this. Uh, was it Dever? De- the Dever uh, brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. Winston and Evelyn Dever. 
Evil uh, Endeavor, really? That do- <laughs> that doesn't give away who your villain is. Yeah. Evil Endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As in evil endeavor. Yeah. Evil Endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. Evil Endeavor. That that's. Yeah. Talk about tipping your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so these two are brother and sister. Their parents were killed uh, during a home invasion. But the, his father was rich and supported superheroes. Had a uh, had bat phones to two of the two of the heroes at the time. It's if Thomas Wayne was a superhero junkie. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they ended up getting killed, and their mother died of a broken heart months later. Okay. Well, that, that's that's the thing. It's the motivations. Winston carries on the father's legacy of being a superhero supporter. So he sees what happens with the Underminer and says, I can change your image, the public image. Yes. And I think I think maybe this is the part that might be better served with if you would watch the first one immediately before this one, if you didn't watch yeah. it back to back. Because the story of the first one is it's Syndrome setting a trap for the Incredibles who are outlawed. Yeah. Right? The yeah, superheroes are outlawed. So I think at the end of that one, superheroes are still outlawed. Yep. But but they just go to beat up the underminer or try to anyway because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and then they they get arrested for it. So that that part I, th- I guess still makes sense, right? Because they really haven't been reinstated when they fight the underminer, and then this guy comes along to try and sway a public opinion. That's his. Job. Yeah, how he benefits from this, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. Well, he's just it, like, he's he's just doing it because it's a good thing to do. Uh, yeah, so he, I guess he is, and which is nice to actually have a character that's not one of your main group that's actually still a good person. Mm-hmm. Like Winston Dever just wants to do the right thing, which I and he maintains that throughout, and I think it's kind of refreshing instead of it being the evil family versus the good family. Yeah, no, you have a conflict within this evil family where she's bad, he's good, and he stays good. Yeah, and she stays bad. <laughs> yeah, and. Um... The mo- the uh, the motivation I love. The execution confuses me because she helps him get supers made legal again. Yeah, or is just about to. No, no, they get made legal. They sign the document. Oh, that's true. They do sign the document. You're right. So he gets together all these heads of states to sign this document to make supers legal again worldwide. And then she makes her move. Yeah. You would think that it would be sinus interruptus. Yeah. Like she wants, and ultimately she wants, and she says, I want them to be illegal. Mm -hmm. Well, then why did you wait so long? Why did you help him get to the point? Okay. Maybe you, you help her, you help him get to the point where all the supers are in one area. Fine. But interrupt the signing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. the, she goes through all the trouble of getting all these superheroes there and then takes over a whole bunch of them. Why not have them go after all these ambassadors and senators and mm-hmm. heads of state and turn on them before they have a chance to sign making it legal? Yeah, because to you can still have the- at the end of the movie where everything works out and they save the day mm-hmm. and then superheroes are made legal. Yeah, it should. Yeah, it could end with, as part of the denouement. You're right. Yeah. With, them, with the actual signing. Yeah, I just thought that was an odd piece of storytelling. I'm like, why? Me, me, what? Yeah, yeah, and well, and my thing was like, okay, they're already illegal. Yeah, 
why contradict that only to bring it back? Like, they were already illegal. You should have just been trying to thwart them ever becoming legal. That's the... Yeah. And that's the really weird thing, because she... Because, like, the whole idea of, of the screen slaver is that there's this villain that Elastigirl is able to take down time after time after time, which builds up Elastigirl's public image in favor of superheroes. Mm-hmm. But she's doing it on purpose so that she can build up her image. But why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, exactly. You, you <laughs> would think you would think her endeavor would be to cause as much devastation as possible. I mean, obviously it's a kid's movie, so we're not talking about like killing, we're not talking man of steel, killing people, but like public destruction of property and, you know, big messes in town and cars being trashed or whatever. Right. Like you'd think that that would be the thing to do to, to keep anyone from wanting superheroes to be legal it's weird it's it's like you're playing a hockey game you let them score a few goals because you think you'll get more later yeah yeah no you stop them now (laughs) you know yeah why why would you let them score a few points when you you know if you had the means to stop them yeah it's like it's like not fighting in a ufc fight for the first round because ah i always pull a late night uh, a late round comeback yeah yeah no way you get your ass kicked yeah and you risk losing so i i think it it might have been like, wouldn't it have been maybe better if if her endeavor was to slowly use this villain to take over heroes and then have them cause mass destruction? So you have the big, huge brick guy, like, smashing buildings and throwing cars. Oh, no, a superhero on the rampage. This is what we were afraid of. Yeah. Or Frozone freezing. Like, they could have played... Well, they could have had so much fun with Frozone's powers. Mm-hmm. Freezing people and, you know, like a water slide park, turn everyone, you know, and now becomes a skating rink. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, all this kind of weird shenanigans, eh? They could have had a lot of fun with that. You have so many, you, they introduce a lot of cool characters with cool powers. Uh, did they? Um. Uh, Void, uh, Void was amazing. Void, well, Void is Blink from the X-Men universe. Yeah, that's fine. But Void, Void had a very interesting power and I wanted to see a lot more of it. Yes. Um, okay, Brick was just a brick shithouse. Yeah, he's kind of the thing, but human form. Right, the Crusher could kinetically... He's a, tele- he's a telekinetic, yeah. Right, he, so he could crush things. Um, reflex barfs on people? But he barfs lava. Okay. That's different. Uh, gross, that, but yeah. all right. One- kind of like Zeitgeist we saw in Deadpool 2. Who's who spits acid? Who vomits acid? Okay, but it's they take that and it's just like kind of like a molten lava type substance. Right, but they killed him right away. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? If like, you if you want your analogs, like that's <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I I I think going with maybe one or two of them would have been good. You know what I mean? Well, I, well, Brick is kind of um, like pretty much a good foil for Mister Incredible, and I think if basically he got taken over, and then he and Mister Incredible had this big slugfest in the middle of town yeah you know that puts the bad image on superheroes because they're fighting each other yeah exactly instead of helping that like you i'm i'm totally agreeing with you that's a weird point that the villain helps them get what they want 
to then try and take it away. Well, they've already gotten what they want. And yeah. then you prove then you prove them right by revealing yourself as the villain. Yeah. What'd you do? <laughs> yeah, like I for an intelligent woman, I don't know if it was that smart a plan. Yeah, it's it's not it's not good. Like, I don't know. And that's the one thing. 14 years? I think it could have come up with something better. Well, yeah, and again, like I said, not, at the top of the Not show, better, not better, but an execution, because because uh, the motivation is, like I said, fantastic. But yes. the yeah. execution of her plan yeah. would have been, um, would have made more sense. Yeah, she should have essentially set them up only to undermine them at every turn somehow. Yes. Maybe secretly show- something happens that gets revealed in the third act. Thank you. Um, I was going to make this point earlier. You reminded me. Like, yes, she saves the individual things, but then something else happens that we don't see, or at least it's in the background, that ends up working against her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, to, I mean, since we already compared it to bring in Marvel, yes, we had Avengers 2, but then we get the fallout of, well, this whole city was devastated by everything that happened. Yeah. And so now there's consequence, right? So I think if she'd been able to do a setup and then somehow undermine what their heroic acts throughout, or or Elastigirl's heroic acts, yeah, then okay, then some, you know, what I mean, like that's where you know she's proving her point and her motivation that we shouldn't rely on them. Yeah, um, it's yeah, and it it, it kind of follows the Batman versus Superman storyline because it's. That's all fallout from the first one, from Man of Steel. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, they took that, yeah, that big fight from Man of Steel and said, well, no, there's consequences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, what else did you like about it? Anything uh, stand out to you? Uh, well, I've got to, since we already talked about her, I've got to point out one of the voice actors uh, for the lady who did Void completely did not recognize her voice. I'm usually pretty good at that. Right. But this is Sophia Bush. Uh, for those of you who don't know her, she hasn't had a huge film career, but she's been on Chicago PD for like quite a while. Right. Uh, she just left not too long ago, but I mean, she did uh, like from for three years, she was on that show um, and did like Law and Order and uh, Mob Wives. I don't know. One Tree Hill. <laughs> Um, but anyway, she has, uh, generally speaking, like she has a more, uh, a little more throaty voice, like think, a kind of a pseudo, uh, Kathleen Turner. Okay. Not modern day Kathleen Turner, but early right. Kathleen Turner. Okay. Yeah. Before all the cigarettes got smoked. Right. Um, or whatever happened. Right. But yeah, so a bit more deep and throaty, but this one, she turns her voice on a dime where it's unrecognizable playing the squealing fangirl. Yeah, I could. I I would not have believed it if I didn't read it on IMDb. In fact, I'm still might have to fact check that. But she was great, though. I loved her as the kind of the squealing fangirl. I know that's kind of atypical, but as someone who goes to Comic Con, that's kind of what I saw. It's like she's kind of doing cosplay, but yet she actually has the powers. And the idea that she has a superhero idol, it would be like a girl meeting Wonder Woman for real. You know what I mean, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, which I thought was really really fun. Yeah. Um, and and you're right. She was a standout. Her uh, her powers were really cool. The way they used them were, was pretty cool. Um, 
I like that uh, Sam Jackson got a bigger role this time. Like, Frozone was definitely much more featured. Yep. Yep, which I thought was great, uh, especially if you're going to bring back Sam Jackson, you know, it's got to be for more than just a cameo. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, yes. Did you, get, so a lot did, of... did you get the weird thing before the movie where the cast comes up and yeah. says, hey, we know it's been 14 years, but it's here. Yeah. We hope you enjoy it. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I want to watch it. Put it on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we waited 14 years. What's 14 more minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I was just like. Because that's the thing. Like, if we go the Cineflex Odeon that's here in town that I go to normally, they have a, a rewards program, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, they always come up. It's like, do you want to do you want to own the movie you're about to watch? I'm like, no, I want to watch the movie I'm about to watch, and then decide if I want to own it. Yeah, play that after the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking don't tell me about your super ticket now. Yeah, <laughs> like put it as a skip ad near the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Or or you know what? You know what? Do a split screen. Just do, like, you have the credits rolling on the one side and then on the other. Did you want to buy this movie? You can do that. Hey, wait. While you're picking up your garbage and leaving, you can buy this movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or while you're waiting for that uh, end credit scene in a Marvel movie. They there get you go. The time. Yeah, just do a little picture in picture. Do Yeah, just like they do on TV. Slide the credits over to one side. Do your ad. <laughs> slide it back. Let us watch. It, let be- us watch it becomes the- a lower third ad. <laughs> lower third ad. Yeah, 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 exactly. We got credits rolling. We got a stinger scene in the middle, and then we've got our ad for Do You Want to Buy This Movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, while I did question the execution of this evil plot, I still enjoyed the journey. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I got to say, the domestication of Bob Parr was kind of. Was it Bob? Yeah, Bob. Yeah. I was like, eh, maybe that's fourteen years too late. Like the idea, the idea of a stay-at-home dad isn't that as, bothered me. I have to admit that. As, yeah, it's not as foreign as it used to be. For one, uh, you know, what I mean, like this is this is uh, like I get it. It's the age of female empowerment, but this seems like an outdated message. This, but this bothered me, and I, 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 I kind of felt like it was slightly sexist, to be honest. I know, I know it takes place in the 60s and 70s, and I know back then men were not used to staying home with the kids. Yeah. Um, but it's 2018, and I think you're right. It's <sighs> In an age where we have The Simpsons and Family Guy and American Dad mm-hmm. and Bob's Burgers and Married with Children and... Every every TV sitcom, family sitcom, the yeah. dad is all and, and let's face it, every commercial, the middle aged white male is an idiot and can't do shit. They put a commercial, I believe it was in this was it in this movie or was it in an episode of Stranger Things I was watching? Where it the the oven opens, it's so easy even he can do it. That's in this movie. Thank you. Okay, because yeah. and but that is a nineteen. That is an 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 outdated. Yeah. Notion. Do you know what I mean? Like on yeah, like we you know now. Granted, there's no way they could have predicted this, but I mean, we had a, a I guess a celebrity chef recently pass away. It was a guy. Guys can cook, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe not this guy. Maybe not me. <laughs> but you know, like it's. Well, it's amazing, right? Like guys in guys in TV commercials don't know how to cook. They, hey, dad's cooking tonight, so order Boston pizza online, you know, type, yeah. type thing. 
But yet all the famous chefs tend to be male. Gordon Ramsay. Uh, who's the uh, who's the guy that no Guy Fieri? Mm-hmm. You know all the all the master chefs. There's two guy chefs and a woman, and she's not famous, but the other two are. Yeah, is it is it so much so that oh, if a guy can cook well, well, he's let's make a celebrity out of him because it's so rare. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and guys have no idea about fashion. They can't dress themselves. They have to get their wives to pick out their clothes. Yet all the fashion designers are male. Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein. Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren. Look, I'm I, I, I'm just tired of seeing men being treated like idiots. And I know we've had the majority for a long time. And I get it. I totally get it. But from what I what I was taught in school... Everyone wanted equality. Yeah. Not a reverse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I went to school, and this would have been like the 80s and 90s, everyone was in home ec. Yeah. It it wasn't the guys go off to wood shop and the girls go to sewing class. Yeah. No, I was a guy, all the rest of it, we were all taught how to cook the same way, sew buttons, you know, do basic, yeah, how to fix a, you know, how to hem a pair of jeans if you needed to. Yeah. You know, basic ba- basic stuff, you know, how to iron your shirt. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah. I have friends who are fathers, and I know if they stay home with the kids for one day, they're not sleep-deprived, and they're not completely clueless as to how to handle their children, and, you know, the house doesn't become destroyed by the end of the day, you know? Like, that's yeah. the thing. And it's the, that's, that's been yeah, a bone I, of contention for me for a long time. I know it's not just this movie. It's like, not. We can't, we, we're not laying it all at the feet of Incredibles two, but they did make a point of doing it, and doing it to such an extreme. It's basically they said that Bob Parr was a bad dad up until now. Yeah, and he's even he, he's even an asshole because he's mad at Elastigirl for going out on the mission and getting picked to do the mission when he when he wasn't. Yeah, it's weird. If you when you watch the first one, she was the supportive housewife. Yeah. That in his spare time, when he wasn't at the insurance job, well, she didn't know or, about that. Oh, sorry, sorry. He thought he was at the insurance job. Meanwhile, he was training, and she was just basically home to cook, you know, take care of the kids and swoon when he got home with a bigger barrel chest after working out. Well, I, I don't, I don't think it was that bad because I thought she stood up to him in that first movie too. So I thought that was a. Very... Oh no, 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 no. That's true. Like, like there was, there was that. But I mean, for the first part of that movie, until she puts her, her suit on. And goes, you know, and becomes a superhero. She's essentially just running the household, right? Yeah. And it's the sixties, and and that was sort of the way things happened back then. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just it, it bothered me for a long time, especially with Bob at home. And yeah, I, I mean, you know, the other the now, other way you could look at it is is that being a mom isn't easy, full timer. Sure. You know, whether you're putting holding down a full-time job and being a mom or being a full-time mom, regardless, it's not easy. Right. And I'm not, and I'm not here to say that it is and you know, maybe my mom made it look easy. I will give her credit. Sure. You know, but at the same time, is it so was it so bad that they had to then like completely rubber band this to the other side where like dad is completely useless? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, come on. Now uh, they they do uh, they do uh, when he goes to see Edna. Uh, she makes the speech of you know uh, raising kids and being a parent automatically makes you a superhero. Okay, good message. Okay, fine, that's nice. Yeah, but it's not what you're showing me. You know what I mean? Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he does eventually rise to the occasion, and maybe that's what the idea was for him to have his own arc, where he, yeah, instead of sleeping, learns the new math, and he tries to, um, you know, talk to his daughter, and he, you know, well, well, first he screws it up in the restaurant. That's true. Yeah, but then he, then he kind of basically, you know, boys are jerks and whatever. Yeah, or at least fesses up to what he did, and he didn't realize he had the consequence. Like I do. I kind of appreciate that there at least is an arc. They didn't just totally backshelf him. Yeah, true. Since he got to go out and be the the hero the first time, I guess you know turnabout's fair play. But I, I I just thought it was unnecessary because at the end of the first one, they realize, hey, we can do this as a family, and, and it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. And then they just revert right back to what it was before. Before, the, yeah, the, that gets completely undone. You're right. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It gets, it, thank you. It gets completely undone, and I'm like, well. I was kind of looking forward to the family being superheroes throughout the movie. Yeah, because you had an opportunity here for them to grow as a, not only as a family, but you have two young kids who need to kind of grow into their superherodom, like their because their parents were established career superheroes. They met on you know while thwarting bad guys. Yeah, on superhero Tinder. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So there, there's a complete opportunity there for them to kind of. They could have had so much fun taking like the normal domestic problems, you know, of raising children. Add superpowers. Add supervillains. You know, I, I mean? thought like, I thought they did that in the first one. No, yeah, but but uh, well, kind of. But I mean, but now. But, that was to get them in the door, but now yeah. that doesn't mean that they're that doesn't mean they're perfect superheroes yet. No, kind of kind of like children grow into adolescence. I think we could they could have had kind of an adolescent type superhero adventure, right? So trying to rein them in now, yeah, as, and and help them make good decisions or something like that, like or like maybe this, maybe the boyfriend gets kidnapped on the date, and you know the whole family has to go out and save him. Something, you know I mean? yeah, exactly. You know, something right. like that. You know, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Fourteen years. Um, yeah. What do you think of Jack Jack? Oh, the most powerful of them all. Yeah. A polymorph. That uh, that's that's cool. I liked it. I thought it was kind of fun. Did you find it odd that everyone was surprised that he had powers? That I wouldn't be surprised. Everyone already has powers. Why not the baby? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like. I, but like Dash, Violet, uh, Mister Incredible, they're all like, "Oh my God, you've got powers!" I'm like, "You, you, you have two kids, yeah, who both have powers. Why, yeah, why, that, why, why is it a surprise that the baby has powers?" That's that's the conversation you have when Violet's born. Yeah, and I thought, okay, you, I thought, you yeah. know what? When 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 the mom finds out, she'll be there, and and blah blah blah. No, her reaction is complete and total surprise of. You've got po- my baby's got powers, and I'm like, why are you surprised? <laughs> and then she gives him shit in the middle of a fight about I missed baby's first power. Yeah, like that. I okay, okay, yeah, wah, wah. That, yeah like the, missing the first steps. That's more what I was talking mm-hmm. about. 
That's the one th- that was the one thing that kind of goes along with what I was thinking, right? Baby's first steps, baby's first power. It's, yeah. It's that, that same, you know, benchmark, but th- on the next level. Yeah. Like, what if Violet's powers didn't always work because she was a moody teenager? Yeah, there you go. You know, so she has to learn. By the to... way, speaking of the kids, did Dash not seem like an asshole to you? Oh, he's a complete ass. Like, he's just pressing every button? Yeah, he wrecks everything in he's, his path. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I want to know whose child that's based on. Well, I, 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 I kind of felt bad for him because, you know, he was he was kind of like he was lashing out in the first movie, but that was only because he wanted to be recognized for his powers, which makes right. sense if you're a young kid, right? Yeah, you're finding your own strength. Now he's just pushing buttons to be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and he's still, yeah, he's still in that adolescent asshole phase. Yeah, and... But, I, it, but again, though, for us, 14 years have passed. This has been, for them, it's been 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. But I, I just thought he was further along. That's all. Well, I, and yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with that because the idea here is that that island experience from the first one should have had a marked change on yes, not just the family dynamic, but each person as a character. Like Dash, really got to explore his powers, you know, to their full extent, and was pushed to his limits. Yes, like those razor hover things were extremely fast, and so he had to and know, running on oh, water. Yeah, running on water and you know being the human motorboat like that. He yeah. was pushing himself to to his limits, and I thought that at that point that would kind of he would kind of come out of that somewhat changed because he wanted that. He got what he wanted. Then I had to learn from it, kind of like touching the hot stove. Yeah, right. Or, yeah, how many or, times is he going to touch the hot stove? Or maturing a little bit and recognizing the responsibility that his powers come with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, he got exactly. the recognition for the powers that he wanted. He did a great job. And so now, like this one would have been, okay, now I need to be more responsible yeah, with my well, powers. He did, he did technically get a few guys killed. Uh, in this one or the last one? No, the last one. Okay, sure. But no, they, he, but he, they were robots. He, not the drivers. You go back and watch it. There's a few guys that end up crashing and burning. Like, oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of like the stormtrooper chase scene through Endor where the guys run into a tree. Oh, They're not okay. walking away from that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that one gets a little bit darker than you think. <laughs> yeah, and Jack-Jack gets a lot of screen time. Um, That's okay. You know what? That yeah, I got bored with it, to be honest. Well, I'm just glad they gave him multiple powers and not just kept hammering on one thing that he could do. Oh, sure. I mean, like that. Yeah. But I, I, I guess a part of that is because that adds to the Mr. Incredible is a terrible father type thing, right? Well, oddly enough, that's the one challenge he seems to actually rise to better than the rest. Like, it's not too long before he, he's teaching Jack-Jack to control his powers. You know, he picks him up and he's, and he's like, okay, laser eyes. Yeah. And then he does the laser eyes. And then he's like, Mark. okay, laser gun. Yeah, but Mark, he does that after he leaves Jack-Jack alone with Edna for a night. After he gives up, gives the baby to Edna, and she fixes all the problems. Yeah, that, well, well, okay, but he then he still has to train him, right, with the command words? No, and, she does it. Uh, she didn't. I don't think she did that. Yeah, she came home. She he comes home. Well, okay, the, there is a bit of time in between him coming home and and him showing the kids. You know, pew, 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 but... Yes, that's what I was referring to. But there's nothing indicating that he was the one that trained that trained Jack-Jack. I assumed it was Edna that did it, because he, she spent all... She said, I was up all night, 
working on this and they gave him the little uh, tablet that said okay power incoming and type thing and and how to how to counter them and everything else see i read it the other way that that she did yes she made the suit that had all that tech in it but he's the one who did the emotional work with jack jack or whatever you want to call it intellectual work to teach him that he only does laser eyes when daddy says laser eyes but he went home that night because that's when he talks to violet and he wakes oh, up yeah, on yeah, the, no, no, on no, the no, couch the next day well, after he picks him up and he has the suit and the, and the gadget, that's fine. But I don't think Edna taught him pew pew. I th- that's what that's what I got out of it. Yeah, I see. I read it the other way. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, like the whole raccoon thing just went on too long. Yeah, especially with all those powers, you should have fried that thing. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, can we just go on with the story, please? You have a great villain with motivation. Yeah, more, we don't more, need this. more of that, please. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So honestly, the laser eyes—the thing should have ran away. Like that—that that should have been it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, the monster yeah, okay. should have run away. Like I get it. He goes through the. Yeah, he, he phases through the 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 door. Fine. Okay, but as soon as laser eyes comes out, that raccoon's fucking out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can hit a raccoon with a pellet gun and scare him away, I'm yeah. <laughs> but it's a Pixar movie, and they have to sell toys, and he's going to be the fun breakout character. So he's the Groot of the Incredibles. Yeah, fair enough. You know. Um, anything else you think of? Uh, not, not that I can think of. I think we talked about pretty much the main things. Because I did want to talk about Domestic Dad. Um, but overall, I still enjoyed the movie. I will say that. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. How about you? Anything else? Um, I was surprised to learn that Catherine Keener was the voice of Evelyn. Oh, yes, yes, Catherine Keener from 40-Year-Old Virgin and Get, Get Out. Out. Yeah, the mother from Get Out. Um, yeah, I was surprised. I knew I recognized the voice, but I didn't, I I, I couldn't place it. I knew Bob, yeah. o- I, I knew Bob Odenkirk. Yes. Uh, yeah, I recognized that voice, voice. Right, yeah, right away. Yeah. Um, and then Brad Bird, uh, the director, also um, famously does the voice of Edna Mode. Yeah, well, he wrote he wrote and directed the first one. Yeah, and uh, as the story goes, he did. He was just doing uh, temp track. Yeah, but he liked the voice that he was doing so much, and no one, and he couldn't get anyone else to do the same accent that he liked. That he's just like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." Yeah. So he and all of his family show. have uh, bit parts in this too. Yeah, yeah. Like his son is there. the like is the monster version of Jack Jack, and his other son is the uh, uh, the the boyfriend. The boyfriend, yeah. Tony, yeah. Um, I like Jonathan Banks as Rick Dicker. I mean, that's kind of how he gets cast a lot, but yeah. as kind of a grumpy old police guy or grumpy old villain. Like, it's just, yeah. uh, but it works. That's the one thing, as I kind of like the, the Violet storyline. Um, yes. I, I, I liked how, how that was portrayed. She's the moody teenager. She's, you know, in love for the first time. She gets embarrassed by her family. She's mm-hmm. uh, rebel. She tries to rebel, and even though it's played for comedy, I'm kind of like, that's how a teenager would do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, like, I, I I couldn't help but think because KMA has that family dynamic. That's true. You he know, does. he's got a wife. He's got an older teenage daughter and a younger son, and his son is very hyper, very full of energy. And the daughter is becoming a teenager, and she's sort of reclusive and stays in her bedroom a lot. 
Um, oh my gosh, he has Dash and Violet. He does have Dash and Violet. It's it's insane. It's she is almost invisible now. So I, I remember when she when she was a younger girl, like she would come around and at least say hi. But now, yeah, yeah she's almost she's near invisible. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you blew my mind there. So it's like <laughs> so the whole time, like I'm not really seeing KMA and Mrs. KMA as as uh, Mr. Bob Incredible. Yeah, because they're not those two. But their kids are exactly like Violet and Dash. Well, and, and you know what? To your earlier point, I mean, of course, Mrs. KMA is an excellent mom. Yes. You know, it runs that house to a T. But come on, KMA is not Bob. He knows what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's not as bad as Bob was. Yeah, and he's got control over the kids. Yeah, and he knows how to run the house. He can cook, you know? Like yep. That's, yeah. So that, that and that's the thing. It's kind of a weird, outdated message. That I get it. You and that's I guess something I was kind of disappointed in. Like I get the aesthetic of the '60s to be that classic comic book look, but since you're building your own world, it doesn't mean you have to play things socially the exact same way. Well, especially I mean, when you have you know 2018's tech. Well, not, not only, yeah, in, in not the 1960s, that, but, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I like the look of the, the futuristic past. That's always fun when you get to go see, like, how things could have evolved. Yeah. Technologically. And when you have such a big anti-tech message in what's supposed to be a not yet, te- you know, that technological world, or is it? It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, does it mean that things have to be exactly the same socially? No. Yeah. I mean, they could have, like, honestly, it could have been... It could, I don't know. It, 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 Bob disappointed me a bit. Like I think I, I I like the idea that he had his struggles, but yeah, to to think that he was just completely incompetent was kind of under well undermine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Um, overall thoughts and ratings. Uh, well, you talked me down a little bit once we. Oh, got I didn't into mean it. to. No, no, I'm not not on purpose. No, but I think I talked myself down a little bit too. Um, because you're you know you're right. On the one hand fantastic villain motivation and time and time again superhero movies are built not just on your hero but your villain and so i think that sets up a great dynamic between and if it's going to be between you know helen and and evelyn okay you've got a good hero great hero and a great villain but then the execution gets a little odd yeah so i think that yeah um kind of like actually in, in age of ultron i Helmet Zero is uh, Zemo, excuse me, is one of my favorite MCU villains because of his motivation. Yeah, and his execution. It, he doesn't go in there trying to punch out Captain America. He's going to work things so Tony will do it. Yeah, he's going to smart them. Right, and I think that's what I was looking for in Evelyn. That yeah, she, yeah, she knows. I agree. She knows she's she's not physically capable of out punching Helen, but she can, has the, the the smarts and the know how to get other people to do it for her. And I think that was the idea. But at the same time, it, the ex- the odd thing about them actually letting her win before having her lose or trying to have her lose her being Helen. Sorry. Yeah. I thought it was really odd. Um, and then, like I said, the domestication of Bob, I like that at least he rises to the challenge. At least they didn't give him the Homer Simpson ending where nothing's, you know, uh, nothing's fixed until mom gets home. Right. At, at least they get him out of that quagmire, which is good. Yeah. Um, and more Lucius is great. So uh, I'm giving it still a solid uh, uh, eight. Um, 
Ooh, eight cars I can summon with the push of a button. Ten. <laughs> I like that. <coughs> Never yeah, be lost in the Walmart parking lot again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much with you. Um, like I said, even though I had a problem with the motivation and the kind of sexism that goes with it and, and, and the whole Bob thing, and I'm not a big fan of the Jack-Jack the stuff, but... You know, I'm not really a fan of the, the the cutesy characters that the Disney movies like to put out. You know, what I mean, like the like the cute little sidekicks. I could, they're not, they're yeah, not. We're not the demographic. They're, they're not my thing. Like, I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not an Olaf fan. I'm not a birds from Cinderella or the mice from Cinderella fan. Um, it just never appealed to me. So, but I I can put that aside. Um, I'll, like I said, I love the um. The motive of the villain. I love the anim- the animation. I love the aesthetics. Yes, um, yes, hardly agree. Like, like, yes, the story is repeated, but it's a good story. It's an it's an enthralling story. There's, um, you know, there's motivations there, and it's and it's interesting to watch. Um, so overall, I'm going to give this uh, eight living room waterfalls out of ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, I like that little reference. Oh, an eccentric billionaire who didn't like to be seen leaving his house. It's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. That's cool. Yeah. So coming up next week, of course, is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, oh, the 90s. <laughs> Where, yes, even novelty rappers can get their own movie. That's right. We're taking a look at the cinematic opus from Vanilla Ice, Cool as Ice. Nice. So stay tuned for that. Uh, what did you think about the about Incredibles 2? Uh, going by the box office, chances are you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about it? Let us know. CanadianMovieCrew at gmail.com or tweet at us at CanMovieCrew. Uh, find us on Facebook, of course. Mark, thanks very much for coming out. Always a pleasure. And I'm Sean Taylor, guys. We'll see you on the next Film Studies coming soon. <laughs>